Good morning, family. How's everybody doing? I'm glad to be together with you guys. As always, I get especially excited um, when we get to be together on a Sunday morning because we all get to be together at once, and that's always a great time. I'm also really excited if you're a guest here, and, and the reason that that excites me is that um, for all of us, we've had times where we've come into a situation where we didn't know what was waiting for us, but it was better than we could have hoped for. It was the start of something new. It was the start of something different, um, or a picking back up of something that God had already started in us. And that's what I want this morning to be for you, is, is a time where real change happens, where real connections are formed, and when you get to either start something new um, where it was needed or continue something that God's been working really hard to build in you. Um, but before we get into the sermon today, I wanted to remind everyone about next week. Next week is Easter, um, and that is such a critical time because it is a time where people, a lot of times who won't normally come to church, will come to church. Um, and so it's a really cool opportunity to get people in. We're going to do some things that are really fun. Um, we're going to get to, uh, well, first of all, okay, we'll have invite cards. Um, so our guys are passing out invite cards. Um, if you guys will take those and pass them down in stacks. If you have kids um, who can bring them to school with them and invite their friends, um, go ahead and, and grab an extra one for them. Um, while they're doing that, um, it's going to be an awesome time because we're going to have an Easter egg hunt, a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt, right? Um, that our teen ministry is putting on, and that's always a really cool time. I am not invited. It is only up to age 10, um, but I have been told by kids who are age 10 and under that it's a really, really awesome time. Um, I've got a couple co-workers who are really excited. They're mainly coming for the Easter egg hunt and to tell, again, to tell their grandma that they went to church on Easter. And I'm like, I, that's great. I don't care why you're coming. Just come and experience a community that loves God and loves you, um, and, and whatever gets you there is going to be an awesome time when, when you arrive. Um, so really critical time. Use the invite cards, make a point of, of, of inviting people in, bring, and as we saw in the video, bring your peeps, right? That's what it's all about, is bringing our peeps in, um, and, and not just doing it so that they can sit in our comfy new chairs, um, but so that they can experience, again, a love that maybe they haven't experienced before, um, and that we not keep that to ourselves. Um, so speaking of love, um, we're in our series called More Than Words, and what we're doing is we're looking at biblical words that have, have lost their meaning in some cases, either because they were misused um, and misapplied or because they were used too much about too many different things. And so it's created confusion and, and lost some of the, the value. And for us as a church, we don't want to just be a church that says these words. We don't want to just say we have faith or, or say that we have love. We want someone to come in and just be able to see it. And it's plain as day in the way that we treat each other and the way that we care for each other that you can see that the love is real, you can see that the faith is real by how we go through situations and how we deal with, with the things that life throws at us. Um, so we started off with faith, and we talked about how real saving faith is more than just this intellectual belief in God and saying, I have faith because I believe that God is real. Um, we're just saying it out loud, but that real faith, saving faith, shows up in your life. It shows up in the way that we surrender to God. It shows up in the way that we trust God when we go through hard things. We don't just say, I have faith, but I really do stick by God when things get hard. And then you can see by my life that my faith is real. I don't have to just tell you about it all the time. And so last week we transitioned over to love, and we're going to go through faith, hope, and love. Um, we'll, we'll pick up with hope after Easter, but, but last week we transitioned to love. And while there are a thousand different things and ways that people talk about love, when the Bible talks about love, it talks about it as a verb, as something that we do, right? It's, it's not just an emotional thing that you're overcome with. It's something that you choose to do. And so Jesus tells a story about a Samaritan, um, and, and we saw that Jesus spells love, S-E-R-V-E, that, that Jesus spells love, serve, that, that love and service always go together. 
And when you see that in Jesus' life, that's the main way that Jesus expressed his love was by serving others, by putting someone else's good above his own good, by, by putting someone else's needs above his needs. That's how Jesus showed love. And so we went through Luke 10 where, where Jesus talks about loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And we talked about how the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself and what that looks like in, in when you incorporate service into it. Um, so this week, we're going to carry on with love, and we're going to go into John 13, which are some of Jesus' final moments with his disciples, and where he really wants to impress on them, this is what love looks like, and this is what that means for you, that I have loved you like this. And we're going to go through um, a major premise, and a minor premise, and a therefore. So, so this is the main point, and this is the point that's true because of that, and then therefore, this is what we do with it. And our major premise, the major premise of Christianity is that love motivated Jesus to come to earth to serve me. Love motivated Jesus to come to earth because of Jesus' love for us, he came to earth to serve me. And what's interesting about this is that the Christianity, the basic principle of Christianity, it does not start with what you need to do for God. You understand, when you first come into Christianity, the main point that you need to get is not what you need to do for God. The main point that you need to understand is what God already did for you. And that's an important distinction to make because sometimes we get it flipped around and we start thinking, man, I've got to, I've got to do all this stuff and I've got to be worthy and I've got to do all these things that, that make me feel like I'm ready, right? That make me feel like I'm worthy to surrender to God or to be a part of God's kingdom. And that's not what you need to know in order to be a part of God's kingdom. The first thing you need to understand is that he loves you and that he came to serve you first before we ever asked anything of us. But what Je with what Jesus chose to do in coming to this world to serve you and me, that's where we see his love take place. In John 13, 1, 2 through 6, before Jesus launches out his guys, his, his disciples, and goes back to heaven, this is what happened. It says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. So he's about to leave this mission on his guys. But first, this is what happened. It says, Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Or another way to say that is he loved them to the, to the very full extent of love. While supper was taking place, he got up from the table, he removed his outer clothes, he took a towel, and he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that he had tied around his waist. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? See, from the, from the moment we first see Jesus in Scripture to the moment he goes back to heaven... He expresses his love with service, even when that was wild for his guys. He's like, there's no way. He has acknowledged Jesus as the king that he's been waiting on at this point, the Messiah that everyone's been waiting for, and it blows his mind that Jesus would serve him in that way, that, would that he would wash his dirty feet. But from the very beginning, this is how Jesus did it. From the time Jesus got here until the time he left, he loved them, even when it was difficult, because these guys were not always easy to love. They weren't always the... They didn't always have the right answers. They didn't always do the right thing. They didn't always listen to what Jesus said. But through all of that, he loved them relentlessly, and he pursued a relationship with them, whether they were pursuing him in the moment or not. And we see in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan that, that love is connected to service, that he would serve them and show them his love. And so the disciples never had to ask Jesus, do you love me? Right? They never had to ask that, because every day they could wake up and say, oh yeah, Three hours ago, he showed me that he loved me. Five minutes ago, he showed me that he loved me. The evidence was right there where they never had to question it. But there were times in, in the disciples' life where Jesus had to ask, do you love me? Right? Because their life wasn't exhibiting it. It wasn't more than words. 
So in John 3.16, this is one of the most quoted scriptures, if not the most quoted scripture in the Bible, um, especially in the New Testament. Uh, you see it at football games sometimes. Someone will hold up the sign. This is John 3.16 as they, you know, guzzle their beer and cheer for the team. You know, like it's, it's, it's often, again, more than words, right? Like there's, there's problematic things, you know, when you, when you see love in, in some of these verses used sometimes, you know, like, okay, maybe that's not the best representation for it. Let's look at what he really meant when he said it. In John 3.16, this is amplified um, translation, so it's got other versions of some of the words too. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, his unique son, so that whoever believes in, and remember that belief, that faith, is not just a, an intellectual belief, but, but whoever believes in, who trusts in, who clings to, who relies on him, will not perish, will not come to destruction, will not be lost but have eternal and everlasting life, right? That, that for God, what it looked like to love the world was to serve and to serve in a radical way, to serve in a way where he gave up the only thing that really mattered to him, this, his most prized son, his, his precious son. And it talks about those who believe in him in a way that we actually cling to him and rely on him will have eternal life. And he says that it's born from, it's, it's bought by the blood of his son. And just like the hero in the, in the Good Samaritan story, and, and it was an unlikely hero, right? The Samaritans were looked down on. There was a heavy prejudice by the Jews toward the Samaritans. They were the last person you would paint as the hero of the story, right? They, were, they came from an area that the Jews so despised that if they had to go from like here to here, they would go all the way around Samaria to get there, even if it added days to their journey, because they didn't want to step foot in that country. It was, it was the last place you would expect a hero to come from. But this hero, who was the last, came from the last place you'd expect, served and served lovingly to the one who was beat up on the side of the road. And Jesus, in the same way, the one who's telling the story, is, he's that guy. He comes from a town that no one would expect him to come from. Um, at one point, one of the disciples, when he, before he's a disciple, um, is told about Jesus. And he's like, yeah, this guy from Nazareth. And his first reaction is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? It's like if you, if you imagine a town, we all have our different prejudices. Um, I've been learning about uh, Shady Bee from some of my friends in Bartlesville, right? And so um, it's got a reputation, right? And so there are times when you would say, hey, this, this guy came from Bartlesville. He's leading this church. It's awesome. And you're like, Shady Bee, really? Like, that's where that came from, right? Yes, there's a, one of my best friends came from Shady Bee, and he's amazing, right? It can happen. And so Jesus comes from Shady Inn, right? And they're like, can anything come out of Nazareth that's worth being told about? And, and and Jesus comes and he finds people that have been beaten up and broken. And when the Samaritan finds this guy, he was not able to help himself, right? When the Samaritan finds this guy, he's been jumped, he's bloody on the side of the road, he's a mess, and he cannot help himself. There's no amount of willpower that would have allowed him to help himself in that moment. And Jesus comes and he finds us in a place where no amount of willpower is going to get us out of our mess, where no amount of trying harder and, and wanting it more is going to help us. We are broken and we need help, and we need rescue. And he comes from a place we'd never expect, and he finds us, and he makes a personal sacrifice to make sure that we are taken care of and healed. Right? That's what Jesus did. That's why he tells the story, because sometimes it's easier for us to picture a random person on the side of the road as needing help than it is for us to picture ourselves as needing that help. And Jesus is trying to help us understand it's the same person. You are that person. And then, and then it helps us be like, yeah, that guy really needed it. And he's like, that's you, right? Like, that's what I came for. That's why I'm here. And for the early church, it was so important to remember who they were and who Jesus was, to remember 
that because they were broken, Jesus allowed himself to be broken, that they took a, they took a remembrance of that every week. And so we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which comes from this John 13 passage, where Jesus passed around bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body being broken for you, right? My broken body is what's going to heal your broken body. He says, my blood being shed is what's going to save your blood from being shed. And so he takes this meal together, and, and, and what he wants us to remember is that the one who loved us and served us to the very end is the one who made us a family and bought us back from where we were broken and on the side of the road. So let's pray. We'll take communion together, um, and then we'll come back together after that. Um, Father, I pray that you would help us um, not to take something that's routine and, and let it be insignificant when, in fact, it's, it's the memory of the most significant thing that's ever happened in this world. Um, certainly the most important thing that's ever happened in my world. Father, it was the moment where your son opened the way for us to be a part of your family. Father, a, a, a moment where your son opened the way for me in my brokenness and my frustration of trying to do things on my own. Um, he opened a relationship that would change that forever and, and leave me um, in connection and community with you and never alone again. So Father, I pray as we take this and we remember your son, um, that it would, it would remind us of how far your love goes, how wide and deep and awesome is your love, um, that it would, it would have no restrictions, that it would hold nothing back in the way that you serve us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our, our major premise of Christianity is that Jesus loved me enough to come serve me. I have to understand that love before I can do anything else the way that he's called me to do it. The minor premise, so that the thing that comes out of the idea that Jesus loved me enough to come serve me, is that love motivated Jesus to make me a servant. That he not only loved me enough to serve me, but he loved me enough to make me a servant as well. To, to change who I am, um, not in my essence, not in my personality, but but in my purpose and in my, my way of living. He called me to be a servant. He came to love and serve me, but his goal was more than just to leave me aware that he loved me, but to, to do something about that, to drive me toward something that was more meaningful, more purposeful. In John 13, 12 through 14, Jesus had just washed their feet, and he takes his place at the table again, and he, and he explains it to them. He says, I need you to know why I did what I did. And he says, he asked his disciples, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that, that is what I am. So if you, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you must wash each other's feet. I've given you an example, what? That you should follow, right? I haven't given you an example just so you can remember and be like, remember that cool time Jesus washed our feet, right? He's, he's given us an example to say, hey, remember that time Jesus washed our feet. Check out how dirty that dude's feet are. Right? Like we should do something about that. Let's notice the things um, that are going on around us. It was really cool. Um, I didn't warn Sam I was doing this, but Sam came up to me um, today and she was like, hey, you know that lesson you taught about the Good Samaritan and how you got to be willing to have awkward conversations with people when they share deep things with you. And she's like, Monday and Tuesday that happened and it was super awkward, just like you said it would be. I was like, I know, right? Like I get it. But it's, what's cool is that that stuff is happening all the time. That Jesus always, there were always people for Jesus to serve, and Jesus could have come at any time. He came at the perfect time, but any time in history that Jesus came, there would have been people that needed help, right? Like, this, that's what we are. And so for us, as we go out and we are his hands and feet, and we're serving the way that he does, that's there all the time. He's just waiting for us to notice it. 
He's just waiting. The people's feet are always dirty. There's always somebody who needs some serving. He's just waiting for us to wake up and see that not only does Jesus love me, but what that means is that other people need that love as desperately as I did. Right? That's what people need. The problem is that acts of service can be manipulated. And when you tell someone something like, you should love your neighbor as yourself, what we see initially when Jesus teaches that is the guy who's like, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Like, do I have to serve all of them? Right? Like, there's got to be a loophole here. There's got to be a way I don't have to do that with that guy. And sometimes we can do the wrong thing, the right thing for the wrong motive. Right? Have you ever been there where you've done the wrong thing for the right motive? Or right thing for the wrong motive, right? So I think of, a, I'm a big superhero fan, and in the Avengers movies, there's a character called Black Widow, and, and, and one of her things she says all the time is, I've got red in my ledger, right? And what she means is, I've got a debt, I've, I've done wrong things, and now I've got to make up for it by doing enough right things so that I feel okay about myself, right? And, and that's how we approach things sometimes. Sometimes we serve people because we've got red in our ledger, and we've got we've to make it right, and we feel like we've got to make God forgive us by doing enough right things, and while we might do things that someone would look from the outside and say, well, that's good that you did that, it doesn't do what Jesus wanted it to do because our heart is not in the right place. We're not coming from it from the right place. That's why we've got to understand that Jesus loved us before we can appropriately love other people. That's why we've got to incorporate Jesus' love into our hearts before we can share that love with other people. Because if we go and just do the things, if we, go and, we can go and feed people for days, and we can go and literally go out and wash the whole city's feet and it's not going to matter if we're not bringing Jesus to him. It's not going to matter if we don't come with, if with that doesn't come the love that Jesus had and the willingness to go deeper than that. Because for Jesus, those points of service, he didn't serve people because clean feet were going to get them into heaven, right? That was never the end game. He served people because that's an entry point into people's hearts, right? We don't listen and we don't engage in people's tough conversations because having that tough conversation is going to fix everything. Like I talked about last week, I have bombed the vast majority of those conversations, right? I have not known. There have been way more of those where I had no idea what to say. I just sat there and patted them on the back and said, I love you and I'm not going anywhere. And that was the best I had to offer, right? And just pray with them and then stick it out. And that's what was powerful is what came after. Because after I did that and after I did what I thought of as bombing the situation, it was an open door into their hearts, and it was a way to go deeper in that and share some of the things I'd gone through, and maybe they bring me the next thing, and maybe I do know how to talk about that thing, or at least know someone who can, right? And I can bring them into, again, a community where, where real change can happen. But if you see a person, when you have the heart of Jesus, you don't pass by, you don't pass around the people that are needing and hurting. You engage with it. If you see a person who needs comforting, you do it. A spot that needs to be cleaned up, you clean it. An opportunity to go help someone, you help them. You're ready and you're willing because you've got that love that Jesus, you've got down that love that Jesus shared first. He didn't come to get us to do servant acts. He came to make us into servants. And remember, what I want us to hear all the time, when you hear serve, I want you to hear love. And when you hear love, I want you to hear serve. And you cannot separate the two. Right? When you hear Jesus came to serve, you hear Jesus came to love. And when I hear I need to love my neighbor, what I want us to hear is I need to serve my neighbor. And I cannot break those apart. I can't say that I love without serving. And I can't serve appropriately without loving. Therefore, what we learn from all this is that loving Jesus entails being served and serving others. Right? It means that allowing Christ's love to flow on us, and a lot of times that happens through people. 
A lot of times Christ's love comes to us through his people and then serving others. It, it means that not only do I serve them, but I allow myself to be served. And that doesn't seem like a hard thing when you say it, but it can be super hard to put into practice, this being served. And again, it is easy for me to go to a restaurant and have them successfully set the plate down in front of me and say thank you. That is not challenging, right? But if serve means love, now it gets messier. Now to let someone serve me, to let someone love me, is a little bit more challenging. To, to let someone deep enough in to actually be changed by the relationship. In John 13, 8 through 9, the Passion Version, it says, Peter looked at Jesus and he said, you'll never wash my dirty feet. But Peter, Jesus said, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you will not be able to share life with me. And so Peter said, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head too. Right? Listen to what Jesus says. If, if you don't let me love you, you can't share life with me. If I don't allow myself to be loved and served, if I don't open myself up enough to be loved and served, I can't do life with Jesus. That's a hard thing to hear. And it's not a mean thing to say, right? Like, that's not a mean thing to tell someone, I can't be in relationship with you if you don't let me be in relationship with you, right? I can't be in relationship with you. You can't call me Lord and, and friend and brother and, and, and Savior and all these things if you won't let me love you. That's a loving thing to say, but it can be a hard thing to receive. In Luke twenty two thirty two, it says, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail, so that when you recover, strengthen the other disciples. Right? It means that, he says, I prayed that you won't fail, but when you recover, what does recovery mean? It means that I did fail, right? Jesus says, I'm praying for you, Simon. I'm praying for you, Peter. But, but when you fall, like, I've got you. Like, there's, there's going to be a way out. And the way that you're going to love your way out of that is to serve others. The way that you're going to find your way out of that failure, out of that stumbling, is I'm going to teach you how to serve others. And that is what we see happening to Peter, that, that when Peter falls and he gets back up and then later he writes a couple letters, and in 2 Peter 1.1, we see him say, I, Simon Peter, am a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I follow Jesus, therefore I serve. That's what it meant to, to Peter. He, he got the whole picture. He understood how loved he was, and because of that, he was able to overcome the shame of abandoning his Savior, of leaving the one who had loved him so desperately, and he's able to serve others and be effective with that. We've got to be able to be loved and to love, to be served and to serve. In, in 1 John 3.16, again, in, our, um, in that 3.16 passage and going on, it says, we know what true love looks like because of Jesus. He gave his life for us, and he calls us to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. If a person owns the things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? His command is clear. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus the anointed, and love one another as he's commanded. You see that belief, the faith, and the love are tied together. If we really believe, we will love, we will serve. It's not just a feeling. It's not just something we say. It's something that, it's an action motivated by a commitment that will actually go forward and we'll do the thing, that we'll do the thing that is in front of us that Jesus has called us to, the way that he's called us to serve. In Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it, it talks about Jesus, and it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, right? It's, it's, that's what service looks like, is you go to someone and you pour yourself out. That's what Jesus did. He held nothing back. Right? When, he, when he went with someone, when he talked with someone, he didn't care 
what that would look like for him. He was made fun of often because of the people that he spent his time with, right? He didn't hang with the acceptables. He didn't hang with the, the popular, the powerful, or the influential. Um, and when he did, they weren't super excited that he was there because he spoke truth and there were things they didn't want to hear. He hung out with the people that needed the healing, the people who knew their feet were dirty, the people who were willing to accept the love. And that's what we open ourselves to when we love the way that Jesus loved. In John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And what's clear in scripture is that the overriding command to be lovers of people by, is by serving them. It's, it's not just to do acts of service, but to be a powerful servant. So what's really cool about this, we've, we've talked about how this all is based on the love that Jesus has for us, that he came to serve us. We've talked about how Jesus came not just to love us, but to make us servants. We've talked about how those have to work together, or we have to accept that love and give that love. But what's really cool is the serendipity that comes around. And, and serendipity is, is something that's really cool that you never expected to happen. That you, you, you did something and then the circumstance came about and you're like, wow, I never knew that would be a part of it. And what's really cool is that blessing comes from being loved and loving others. That, that both of those bring blessing. And, and even loving others can sometimes bring more blessing than, than in being loved. And on the other side of that, again, we want to say both of those. So you could just easily, under loved and loving, right, served and serving. That, that being served brings blessings, but also serving others brings blessings. And what you find in life is that when you commit yourself to this, when you make it not about you, when you look around and you're willing to have the hard conversations, you're willing to open yourself up to the people around you, you're willing to love them relentlessly the way that Jesus loved and pursued us, then blessings come from that that you would never have imagined. In John 13, 17, tying up, again, that, that verse that Jesus says, um, you know, that you, if you love me, that, that God so loved the world that he came to serve us, it says, now that you know these things, now that you know that I love you, now that you know that I came to serve you, you'll be blessed if you do them, right? That's where the blessing comes from in living this out. Jesus says that, he says this as he's washing his disciples' feet, that the happiest place in the world the happiest people in the world are consistently those who serve others, right? That if you look around you, the, the evidence is there, that the people in your life, maybe they don't have the most stuff, maybe they aren't the most successful from a worldly standpoint, but the people who have the most peace and happiness are consistently those who are focused on everyone but themselves, which sounds backwards, right? You would think the harder you work to please yourself, the happier you would be. But in my life, it's been the opposite. The more I've done for myself and the more I've focused on myself, the, the less happy and content I have been. And it's like Jesus had this thing figured out, right? It's like he knew this, and I had to find it out the hard way like a lot of us do, right? But Jesus wrote that before, way before I was born, right? And yet I had to go through all the steps of like, yeah, but I'm going to try it. All right, let's just see what happens if I try to make myself happy. And it doesn't work. He knew what was going on. So here's my challenge. You've got hopefully two lists of three things. Maybe two, a list of three things and a list of two things. You can write a three under the second one. But um, I want us to actually use this. So whether if you're in a small group, then, then talk through this in your small group. Fill it out ahead of time so you have something to bring to it. If you're not in a small group, um, then this is a chance to, to reflect and, and pray and share this with someone else. Um, but I want us to really write down ways that we will seek to be loved and served by other people. Right? How will I allow someone to love and serve me? Right? What are some things maybe I've been resistant to? What are some things that, and remember, this isn't just like a, a courtesy, like, I'm going to let someone open the door for me today, right? No, and I mean, uh, 
we want to go a little bit deeper than that, right? I want someone to, I want to allow someone to hear something that I, I wasn't willing to share. I want to show up where maybe I was afraid to show up, right? I want to, I want to initiate a time with someone when maybe I was afraid of how that would go, right? And I want us to fill out how, how am I going to allow other people to serve me in a way that maybe I haven't been letting them serve me, read, love me before. And then I want to write down three things that say how in a real way, not just an ethereal like we will have, we will have peace with all is how we will serve others, right? I want I, Adam, next week will do this for one of my coworkers, and that's how I'm going to serve someone else, right? I, Adam, will walk into work, and I will ask this person how their weekend went and why they're looking this way. You know, why, why do you look down? You know, I, I care about you. It seems like you're going through something. I will say that even if it feels awkward because I love them, because someone loved me enough to confront me when I wasn't looking super approachable. Right, So I want you to write down not what Adam will do, but what you guys will do to, to be loved and be, and be served and to love and to serve others. And let's go through that. Let's think about that. Pray about it. If you need help coming up with it, that is completely acceptable. Listen to what other people say and then steal their answers. Right? That is, there is nothing new under the sun. Whatever they wrote wasn't original anyway. Don't feel bad about it. Cheating is absolutely welcome, right? So do what you have to do. Steal what you have to steal. But in the end, what matters is Use it. You will be blessed what? When you do it, right? Not when you hear it, not when you understand it, when you put it into work. That's when the blessing comes. So I'm going to challenge you to do that this week. One of the ways that you can love and serve others is to take the invite cards that you've been given and not just leave them on someone's desk and hope they notice it or stick it under windshields, right? That's the worst. It rains and gets all soggy. Don't do that, right? Challenge yourself to really love someone and walk up to someone and say, hey, this has been a big deal for me. Like, this, this family that I have is a big deal. I don't have a lot of family around. You know, maybe your family situation wasn't great growing up. Maybe you've got um, some hurts that they've really carried you through. Maybe you just went on an incredible weekend where you got to share with your sisters, you know, deep things and, and be transformed by it. Whatever that looks like, go beyond just leaving it on their desk or, or sticking it in a mailbox and walk up to someone and tell someone why this community has been meaningful to you and tell them it would mean a lot if they came and had fun with us and, and ate delicious brunch and let their kids hunt for eggs and, and just have fun with us, right? Do something more than just handing it out. Really bring your, your people in in a way that's loving and, and beyond just a, a token effort. There are a lot of ways we can be loved and, and that we can serve. Um, one of the ways you can do that as well, um, we're about to take up an offering from our members um, that's an important thing. It's something that allows us to have things like awesome Easter egg hunts and brunches and, and things that, that bring people in. Um, but for our guests, what we'd really love is for you to fill out the communication card. It looks like this. Um, it came with your bulletin, and there's a section here you can check off um, what you need if you need support in a certain area um, or what you would like from us. But, but we are here to serve you, and I hope that when you hear that, every time I say it, what you're hearing is that we are here to love you. All right? We are here not to just say, oh, you're going through an addiction, sign up for this class, you'll be fine, hope that goes well, right? You're, we are here to love you, and if you're going through an addiction, you're going through a hard time, you're going through feelings of lack of self-worth, we are here to come in and say, 100% I feel you, and, and I have been there, and I'm going through that, and I, I have been loved in a, an amazing way that's transformed my life, and I want to share that love with you. I want to serve you and love you. That is what we are here to do. We are here to take the brokenness and problems of this world and connect it with the promises and the power of God. Amen?
That is the only reason we are in this room together and doing life together the way that, that God has called us to. Um, let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that uh, most of all that we would accept your love and that we would share it with others. Father, I pray that um, as often as we hear the word love and we've heard it misapplied, um, some of us, um, Father, some of us honestly have been told that we've been loved by some of the people that have hurt us the worst. Um, we have had love thrown at us as a weapon. Um, we have had the word love used on us inappropriately or 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 not backed up by actions. And, and while we don't want anything to do with that kind of love, we want everything to do with your kind of love. And I pray that as we look around the people um, that you've put in our path, Father, that we would we would serve them not just by doing actions, but, but by honestly caring about them and using that as an open door to their hearts. Father, thank you for, for sending your son in a way that opened the door to my heart. Um, thank you for loving me in a way that I could not ignore. And I pray that we would love others in a way that they cannot ignore. Um, we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.